An important part of parenting is to nurture our children into the call of God for their lives, establish the importance of being part of a local church, and to serve the purposes of God's kingdom. This message provides practical instructions on how to do this. Believe that God's word has power in it. Yes, God's word has power in it. Amen. The word of God has power. Uh, it's a carrier of the power of God. Uh, or you could look at it this way. It's inherent. The power of God is inherent in his word. It's, it's there in his word. And uh, that word, when it's released in our lives, it does something. Right? It works in our lives. It works in us. And it works in our circumstances and situations. You believe that? See, God created this entire universe by his word. He just spoke the word. And everything came into existence. Do you think now God says, you know, now my batteries run out. <laughs> no more power. <laughs> now when I speak the word, nothing's going to happen. I don't think so. His power is eternal. It never runs out, right? So that power in the word is still there. And one of the things that we are, we are taught in scripture is that when we have faith in that word, then the power of that word is released in our lives. But if we don't have faith in that word, we can hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, know the word, know the word, but nothing's going to happen. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 says... The gospel was preached to them, talking to the people of Israel, just as it was to us. But the word preached to them did not profit them. It did not benefit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the word that was preached to them didn't benefit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. So what is my responsibility? When I receive the word, I need to mix faith with that word. Then the power of that word is released in my life, in my circumstance, situations. So one of the things that reveal that you've actually mixed faith with that word is now you begin to speak that word because faith is released by what you say. By what you speak, right? We release our faith by the words of our mouth. And that's why we train ourselves. You know, in any situation, speak the word. Say what God says. Because when you mix faith with the word of God, you're releasing the power of that word into your life. Amen? So, in every situation during the week, when, when things are going wrong, speak the word. Mix faith with the word that you're hearing every Sunday. You keep hearing. And nowadays, you know, there are books we can read. The Bible we can read ourselves. But mix faith with that word. Otherwise, the word that is preached to us will not profit us. If we don't mix faith with it. Amen? Mix faith with it. And then release the word. Speak the word. Say what God says for you and me. Let's stand up to our feet now as we just make our declaration this morning. We declare that we believe in that word. So lift your hands, Bible high up in the air. If you have your Bible, say this out loud, bold and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. 
I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I live by His word. I believe His words. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. Say hi to the person next to you. Give them your name. In case you don't know who they are, tell them you're happy to see them. And then you may be seated. God bless you. All right. This morning, uh, we are on the ninth Sunday on talking about marriage and family. Uh, And uh, next Sunday will be our last uh, session or last Sunday that we are on this subject. And we've spent quite a bit of time uh, um, on this topic. And uh, today, I want to focus on another very important part of nurturing your family. And again, uh, I realize many of us are in different stages of life. You know, some of you are single, yet to be married. You're looking forward for marriage. Uh, And some of us, you know, married. We have children. Children also in different stages of life. Uh, So uh, uh, don't tune off just because this does not apply to you immediately. I believe that in every message in this series, there is something you can take with you, regardless of what stage in life you are. You can take it, apply it. So don't you know, just because saying, hey, I'm not married. I hope my dad's listening. You know, it's okay. <laughs> so don't you know. This morning, I want to talk about, uh, and it's very simple. I'll be done very soon. I want to talk about the family altar and intercession and praying for your family. And then I want to talk about the family, the church, and the kingdom. uh, How we must nurture families that understand the importance of the local church and also the kingdom of God. So that's the focus of of, of the message. These are chapters um, uh, 16 and 17 in the book. And I think uh, hopefully, realistically, the book should be out on the first Sunday of November. And then you can review all of this. So... Talking about the family altar and intercession, I want to talk about the whole aspect of of praying together and praying for your family, the importance of that. Uh, Let's begin by just giving some simple suggestions on having a family altar. I want to encourage all of us that we need to be praying together in our homes. Having the family altar. Now when you say family altar, I'm not saying, you know, you put a wooden table there, sacrifice animals. And, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about you getting together as a family for prayer. If it's just you and your husband and your spouse, just two, two of you getting together. Or if you have children, get your children together and make this a part of your family life. Coming to church on Sunday is important, is good, but it's not enough. Throughout the week, get your family together. 
right? And choose, and some simple suggestions on how to do this. Uh, choose whatever time of day is convenient for all of you. So if the morning is good, that's fine. At our home, we do it after dinner. Some people may do it before dinner. We just say, okay, you know, eat first, be happy, <laughs> and then pray. <laughs> you know? So we eat, clean up the table, put the dishes away, and then just a normal thing is we come and sit together. We talk a little bit, you know, just catch up with what's happening. Of course, we do that at the dinner as well. And then it's time for prayer. It's time for that devotion. And some other thing is keep it meaningful. Don't do it for the sake of doing it. Oh, oh, we have to do it. Come on. Otherwise, you know, fire and brimstone will come from heaven. Don't do it because, you know, you have to do it as a ritual. Do it because there is meaning in this. Keep it meaningful. Right? Uh, so that means you're, it has to be relevant uh, to those who are participating in it. So if you have little kids, keep it simple. If you have teenagers, keep it relevant to them. Uh, you know, uh, don't go off into some deep study on Hebrew and Greek. And <laughs> yeah, don't do those kinds of things because then immediately uh, they're not connecting with what is happening then your family altar becomes only a burdensome thing. But keep it meaningful, keep it relevant uh, to you know, the age group or whoever is participating in it. Make it meaningful to them. It's got to be something uh, that they can engage in. And let them participate in it. So if you're having children, let them pray. Now they may pray baby prayers. No, God, no bad dreams, only sweet dreams, you know. I mean, whatever, it, 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 it's, let them do it, it's okay. You know, don't say, no, pray, you know, pull down the strongholds of the city of Bangalore. See, they will come up to that at a later stage. Now, they may be little children, they, they are, you know, praying baby press. It's okay. Let them do what they can do. Let it be something they participate in. And also keep it flexible. Don't keep it rigid, like, you know, okay, two hours of Bible reading, <laughs> One hour of prayer. No, keep it flexible. Some days you may just pray. That's fine. Some days you may sing and, and worship and maybe pray. Some days you may read a portion of scripture and discuss it. That's fine. And that discussion may you know, take all your time. So uh, it's okay. Keep it flexible. The point is it has to be meaningful. Amen? So uh, read, maybe you read a portion of scripture and you talk about it. What does this mean? How can... You know, little Johnny apply it and uh, little Susie apply it for their lives. How can they take what you read and, and make it meaningful to them? So uh, uh, keep it flexible. It doesn't always have to be hard and fast and rigid. It's got to be a time they enjoy meaningful. And, uh, and do it regularly. That means try to do it, you know, five days a week, six days a week, throughout the week. Uh, try to make that happen because, you know, there is so much at stake when it comes to the family. There is a lot at stake. The destinies of your children, the destiny of your spouse and yourself is at stake. So you need to engage in prayer. You need to pray. And that's at stake. So don't neglect bringing yourselves together and especially if you're a married couple you don't have children start the practice now but just you and your spouse coming together just for a little time of prayer 
Start it now. So that when you do have children, it'll just be a normal thing to pray together, have them with you in that time of prayer. Are you with me so far? And another thing, even if you have unsaved people in your family, that's okay. Just get them together for prayer. Doesn't matter. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe your kids are not yet committed to the Lord. It's okay. Just tell them, come and sit. Let's pray. Or maybe your spouse is not yet committed to the Lord. It's okay. Let him or her just come. Just pray together. And please don't preach through your prayer. Oh Lord, may my husband bow his knee to you, Lord. Relax. Let that work, the Holy Spirit do that work. You don't try to take the place of the Holy Spirit now. You just keep it simple. Read the Bible, pray, and let God do the work. Because if you start preaching through your prayer, then your husband's going to be like reading through the news, you know, BBC News, <laughs> while you are praying. <laughs> He'll tune off. It's like, no. So even if you have unsaved family members, get them in. Let them come in. Let them pray. But let it be meaningful. And let the Lord do his work in, in, in turning their hearts towards the Lord. Are you, are you with me so far? But this is so important. Get your family together for prayer. And I want to talk now a little bit about praying for your family. As a husband, as a wife, uh, even as a, as a child in the family, as, as a young person in your family, you can engage in praying for your family. I remember that uh, by the time I, you know, I, I became, I got saved by the time I was about 12 years old, just before my 13th birthday. Then by the time I could, I mean, as far as I can recall, maybe by the time I was 13 or, you know, 14, I started praying for my family. So every day I would pray. And there was a time when things were not nice at home. We were going through some problems. uh, And it was very painful, very hurtful. But I prayed for my family. I prayed as a 13-year-old boy. I was standing in the gap for my parents, for my sister. I'm praying for my family. And God did amazing things. And I, you know, maybe some other time I can share this testimony. So, but the point is this. No matter how young you are in your family, you stand in the gap for your family. As a parent, as a husband, wife, father, mother, you can pray for your family. As a young person in your family, you can pray. Even if your parents aren't saved or your siblings aren't saved, you stand in the gap and you pray. I remember those times when sometimes I would go as a, as a young teenager, I'd go in my room and there'd, there'd be tears in my eyes because of all that was happening. And I would shut the door. I had a little study room at the back of the house where I would study and pray. And I would shut the door. I would tears in my eyes, but I would pray before God. I said, God, I know you will change things in my family. And God did it. So I don't see any reason why anyone can't stand in the gap for your family. Amen? So, understand the importance of this because the destinies of each member of your family is at stake. They need to grow up and fulfill the call of God on their lives. Somebody needs to pray them into it. Sometimes they will go through their own challenges. Somebody needs to back them up in prayer as they're going through those challenges. Sometimes they may even question their faith. They may question what 
the Bible says. And somebody needs to stand in the gap and pray for them. Sometimes there will be attacks of the enemy against their lives. Somebody needs to stand in the gap and pray for them. That's why your prayer for your family is so important. Here's an example in Luke the 22nd chapter verses 31 and 32. Where Jesus is telling Peter. He says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Now, uh, imagine this picture. You know, when you uh, sifting wheat means you're separating the, the wheat grain from the, the chaff. It's covering. You're separating it. So Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, the devil is trying to separate you from me. He's trying to sift you like wheat. Take you away from me. Like how wheat is separated from the chaff. He's trying to do that. But I have prayed for See what Jesus said? The devil is trying to do something. I got an idea. I've understood what he's trying to do. But listen, I have counteracted. I've countered that by praying for you. And I know that even though you may stumble and fall and all that, I know you will be restored and you strengthen other people. Is what Jesus said. So, what's the message? Sometimes it's true the enemy can have some assignments against different people in your family. But you through your praying for them can annul, can counter, can uh, nullify what the devil is trying to do against them. You can do it through your praying. That's how important, how powerful it is. What I want to do now is just give you some practical things, some pointers on how to pray for different people in your family. Uh, we've talked about this earlier this year, but I'm just going to you know, just reiterate some of those points. Uh, so let's say, you know, how do you pray for your spouse? So your husband or your wife, how do you pray for them? What are things you can pray? And I'm just giving you a few pointers and you can definitely add it to this list and, and pray more of these things for your spouse, right? Now, I, I, might, I might talk about you know, this way you pray for your wife, but it's the same thing. This is the same thing you'll pray for your husband. For instance, number one, you pray for her spiritual growth according to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 3, and Colossians 1. These are passages you can use. You say, Lord, I pray for my wife. Or you say, God, I pray for my husband. You're praying for your spouse. And, and you use these scripture passages. And you pray for your spouse. Ephesians 1 talks about God giving them the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowing him and uh, in, in, in knowing the purpose of God for their life and in, in, in knowing how great his power is towards them and in, uh, in knowing how valued they are to God. So he prays these four things in Ephesians 1. So you pray the same thing. God, I pray this for my, my spouse, my husband or wife, and I'm praying this for them. Ephesians 3 talks about uh, them coming to know how great the love of God is for them. Uh, talking, talks about how they can be strengthened in their inner man by the Spirit of God. And how uh, what God does is beyond what we can ask or think. So you pray this for your spouse. Colossians 1 talks about how, he says, I pray that you will walk in, uh, in the perfect will of God for your life. That you will uh, be fruitful in every good work. That you'll keep growing in the knowledge of the Lord. So you pray this for them. Can you do this? Yeah, just pray for their spiritual life because that's the center. That's the foundation of everything that should happen in their life. So you pray for that. Secondly, you can pray for their spiritual growth. 
in, uh, for, for the growth and the purpose of God. So each person has been designed for a purpose. God has a dream. God has a destiny for every person, including your spouse. Amen. So you pray, you pray for that destiny to come forth. You pray for God's purpose in his or her life to come forth. You pray for the gifts that God has placed in them to uh, come into maturity, the gifts, the anointing of God, the grace of God. You pray for your spouse. Thirdly, you can declare the word of God over their life. That means speak the word of God over their life. So if it's for your wife and, and you'll find this in the manual and uh, you know, I'm just saying this for my wife, but you could also say this, you know, the same thing. You can declare the promises of God over your husband. Um, you know, declare that your wife is a wise woman. She builds up your home. That she's a prudent woman and she's your pride and joy. That she's like a fruitful wine in your home, bringing blessing, joy and protection to the family. That she's a virtuous woman. Her price is far more than rubies. She's blessed in all that she does. Your heart safely trusts in her. Your children arise, her, arise and call her blessed. She opens her mouth with wisdom, her tongue is, and in her tongue is gentleness. Her, her own works bring her honor and respect in the city. So these are things that you can just declare over your spouse or your wife, based on Proverbs 31. And, and, and similarly, you can declare things over your husband, that he's blessed, that, uh, that he's victorious, that, that in everything he does, he prospers. So you declare the word of God over your spouse. Another thing you can do as you pray is to declare the wisdom of God, declare the success and and the blessing of God over their work and their ministry. You say, God, I declare that my husband is blessed, that he's prosperous, that he's successful. I declare that my wife is blessed. And, you know, so you just declare the word of God, call for the blessing of God upon their lives. Can you do this? Yes? So start doing it, as, uh, even from, you know, maybe today or tomorrow as you take time to pray, do this. How do you pray over your children? And again, some pointers you can pray, you can add to this. But parents, I want to encourage you, start praying for your children if you have not already. It is so important that you pray over the lives of your children and be faithful in it. Do it regularly. If possible, every day, pray over the lives of your children. Wherever you are, I mean, you could be driving in the car, you can pray over them. You could be, you know, in your prayer room, in your bedroom, in your living room, you could pray with them anywhere. But you, you know, pray over the lives of your children. Here are some things you can pray. Oh, number one, of course, you pray for the spiritual growth. According to the same passages, Lord, I want them to grow. I want them to know you. I want them to know your purposes. You pray over their lives. Then pray for their growth in God's purpose for their lives. That they will grow into what God has designed them for. Pray for that. Say, God, I want him, my son, I want her, my daughter to grow into what you have ordained for their lives. Let the gifts you put in them, let the anointing you place in them come forth. Third, you pray and declare God's promises over their lives. Uh, The promises of God speak it over their lives. Fourth, you declare and call forth their prophetic destiny, meaning what you feel God has designed them for, call it forth. You know, don't go and keep banging on their heads and saying, you have to become a doctor, you have to become an engineer. I mean, no. Don't do that. Instead, when you go and pray, you say, God, please speak to me 
about what you have in store for my son. Please speak to me about what you have in store for my daughter. You ask the Lord. You hear from heaven and then you call forth that prophetic destiny upon their lives. You say, I call forth that God's given God's destiny upon my son, my daughter. So you do it in prayer. That's much better than going and banging on the heads. You know, be this, become this, become this. Now, just pray. It will have powerful effect on their lives. And uh, uh, fifthly, sanctify and consecrate and bless all the gifts, the skills, the capabilities, the knowledge that God has blessed them with that will be used for the glory and purpose of God. So I do that, you know, when, when Josh and Ruth were at home, we, we, just, we all just hug each other. When I'm hugging each other, I'll say, God, I just consecrate their gifts. I consecrate every gift, every talent, everything you put in him, I consecrate it to you. That means I'm saying, whatever God has put in his life, his skills, his capabilities, his knowledge, everything, I want it to be used for God. How it's going to be used for God, that's, that's okay, that God will decide. But it's consecrated unto the Lord. So as parents, you do that for your children. You pray, you consecrate that. God, that these things will be used to bring honor and glory to your name. Bless their present. So pray over whatever situation they're going in life right now. Maybe they're in college. Maybe they've just started in the workplace. Whatever. Whatever's going on in there now, you bless that. Say, God, I declare your blessing you know, on their spiritual life, their health, their safety, their academics, their learning, their wisdom, their friends, their choices, their decisions, their character, uh, their life. So you bless it. Say, God, I'm blessing. I'm speaking over everything that concerns them now. I'm speaking your blessing over it. I want it to be right in your eyes. I want it to be aligned to the purpose of God. Are you with me? So God will begin to work in their lives. And, and if they are, maybe let's say, if they are young people, they're going to college, then God will make sure he protects them and uh, keeps the wrong influence away. Why? Because you're praying. And make sure that they have the right influence around them. Because you are praying for your son or daughter. And also pray for their future. You pray. You begin to bless their future. Even before they walk into it. Bless their career, their profession, whatever they're going to do in life. Uh, pray for favor. Pray for open doors. Pray for the right opportunities for them. Uh, pray for their success. Let them be fruitful. Pray for their future wife. For spouse, their family, their children. You pray ahead of time. Even before they get there, you've gone there through your praying. Amen? You've already prayed for their future. And pray that they will serve God and do what God wants them to do. See, through your prayer, you can really bless the lives of your children. And also, lastly, bind and destroy any scheme of the enemy against their life. Whatever the devil wants to do to destroy them or to, you know, disturb them. You stand and say, devil, you will not do this. I am standing before God and I am standing here on behalf of my children. You're not going to have them. And you know, as a parent, you've got spiritual authority. God-given authority over your children because you're the parent. You've got it. You say, devil, you will not go beyond me to touch the lives of my children. You are protecting them through your prayer. Now, I just want to share a few thoughts here now on how to pray for the salvation 
and deliverance from waywardness. Meaning, suppose you have uh, 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 maybe your spouse. Sometimes uh, it could be our children who are not yet saved, and maybe they just you know just going away from the Lord or uh, not yet come to the Lord. Then I want to encourage you to persist in prayer for them. Right? Don't try to you know like I said earlier. Don't try to force them to believe. No, you just go and pray. Let God work on their lives and bring them to that place of salvation in his way, in his time. But you pray for your spouse, or for your children. You engage in prayer for them. Uh, in Isaiah 49, verse 25, God makes this amazing promise. He says, you know, uh, even the captives of the mighty will be taken up with the prayer of the terrible will be delivered. I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your So God says, listen, I will fight against the enemy who's coming against you. I will save your God will do that. So if you, you know, if, if you think that enemy is coming against you, your family member, hey, don't give up. God says he will fight for you. He will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your God is on your side. God is taking up your case. And he will fight for you. So you can be bold. You can be strong as you pray. What are some things you can do as you pray for their salvation? So you're going to engage in some spiritual warfare, some spiritual battle. Uh, Here are some things you can do. Number one, you bind and cast down every spirit of the world. Deceptions, lies. So maybe, you know, you send your school, your, your child to school and, you know, maybe uh, they're in 10th grade. I'm just, you know, just making something up here. Maybe they're in 10th grade and maybe they go to school and, and uh, the teacher starts teaching them about, you know, all the wrong things about how the world was created and all that. And then they come back to you and they say, you know, mom, I, I believe there is no God. Everything just happened and all that. And you say, where did you learn this? I learned in school. You're paying good money for them to teach you all the wrong things, you know. What do you do? Now, of course, you can talk to them. You can explain, you know, things to them. But more importantly, remember, it's a spiritual battle. And you, as a parent, need to deal with those, those deceiving spirits that are trying to blind the minds of people. And you take authority over that. Are you with me? Because that's the real battle. And you pray. And and say, I will not let the spirit of this world, the deceptions, the lies of the enemy, whether it's in the form of atheism or humanism or false religions, to blind the the mind of my children. I release the light of the gospel to flood their minds. Secondly, as you're engaging in spiritual warfare, For your family member, you cast down every stronghold, every argument, every reasoning that that is controlling their minds. Paul teaches us this in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. Where the weapons of our warfare are strong and we can pull down those arguments. that, That the strongholds, those enemy thoughts that are capturing their minds. You can do that for your family member, for your your spouse or your children. And engage in warfare uh, for that. And number three, invite the Holy Spirit to bring about conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to convict their hearts. I can't do it. You can't do it. So it's the Holy Spirit. Please come. Convict 
you know, whoever, my husband, my wife, or my children, or whoever you're praying for, bring about a conviction in their hearts that they will know their need for a savior and they will know the need for truth. Number four, ask God to draw them to him. Jesus said, you know, in John 6, 44, he said, no one can come to me unless the father draw him. So the father has to draw them. So you pray. Say, Lord, draw them to you. Draw my son, my daughter, or your spouse, my husband, wife, whoever, or maybe your parents. So God, draw them to you. Draw them. Let them feel drawn by the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ. And pray that God will bring them to a place of repentance, to the knowledge of the truth. Even that God has to do. You can't beat repentance on people's heads. No, God has to bring them to that place that they will repent. And ask God by the Holy Spirit to give them revelation of who he is. That their eyes will be opened to know the true and living God. So this is what you can pray. Are you with me so far? But I want to encourage you. You know, you pray and you don't quit. Don't give up. Until you see your family member come into the kingdom of God. Don't give up. Pray. I want to just quickly run through some promises in the scriptures on, for your home and for your uh, children. Many of these are very familiar to uh, many of us, but I just want to remind us about it when you get the manual. It's all there. Uh, and, and these are promises you can pray. You can go before God and say, God, this is what I want for my family, for my home. Listen to some of them. Psalm 118 verse 15. God says, The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents or in the dwelling places of the... So right now, there may be the voice of complaining, fighting, strife, whatever. But his promise is the voice of rejoicing and salvation, meaning wholeness, blessing, will be in the dwelling place of the... So you say, God, that's what I want. Right now, it may be the total opposite. But your word will work in my life. Your word will change the situation. So God, I'm standing before you. This is your promise. I want the voice of rejoicing and salvation to fill my house, my home. You pray. Take a hold of that promise of God. Psalm 128 says this, happy are those who obey the Lord, who live by his commands. Your work will provide for your needs. You will be happy and prosperous. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your home and your children will be like young olive trees around your table. A man who obeys the Lord will surely be blessed like See, it's it's a promise of God. You take that, say, God, this is what I'm praying. This is what I want for my home. You pray that promise. Uh, there are several verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 3.33. He blesses the home of the just. So he said, God, your blessing is on my home. Proverbs 12, verse 7. The house of the righteous will stand. See, maybe you go to work and your colleague comes and says, man, my marriage has fallen apart. Another colleague comes and says, my marriage has fallen apart. Another colleague comes and says, my marriage has fallen apart. You read about all the celebrities, you know, in Hollywood, Bollywood, everywhere, all marriages falling apart. And you think, God, what's going to happen to my marriage? His word says, the house of the righteous will stand. Your house will 
stand. So that's what you believe. Yes, my house will stand. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. The house of the righteous will stand. Proverbs 14 verse 11. The tent, that is the home of the upright, will flourish. Proverbs 15 verse 6. In the house of the righteous, there is much so sometimes you think, oh man, we're going bankrupt. You know, now all the money is going away. And look, and then you have these pictures of moving from a big house to a small house, to a smaller place. Finally, you're in the tent and finally you're, you know, in the hut and then finally you're on the streets. And that's your, oh, this is going the wrong way. And you get all this fear and, and all this thing. But no, his word says, in the house of the righteous, there is much. That means you'll be blessed. You'll prosper. That's his word. You take it. You stand before God. Say, God, this is how it's going to be. Promises that you can pray for your children. Again, uh, many of you know these. I'm just going to uh, mention some of them. Uh, Psalm 37, 25, 26. The psalmist says, I'm old now. I've lived a long time. But I've never seen good people abandoned by the Lord or their children begging for food. At all times, they give freely and lend to others and their children are a blessing. So you might think, oh, my son, what's going to happen to him? Or my daughter, what's going to happen? You know, if they don't succeed in life, what will happen? No, his word says, your children will not be begging for fruits. And they will be a blessing. So that's what you believe for your son and daughter and for your children. Psalm 112, verse 1, 2, and 3. Praise the Lord. Or it says, Totram. You know. <laughs> happy is the man. Happy is the person who honors the Lord. I don't know what they say in Hindi for that. Praise the Lord. Ah, Jemasi. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he says, Jemasi, you know. Happy is the person who honors the Lord. Who takes pleasure in obeying his commands. The good man's children will be powerful in the land. His descendants will be blessed. His family will be wealthy and rich and he will be prosperous forever. This is the word of God. So you believe that. You pray that for your family, for your children, uh, for your son and daughter. Um, Let me go to um, Isaiah 44 verse 3 and 4. I use this very often. God says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your children, my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up like uh, among the grass, like willows by water courses. What is God saying? I will pour my spirit upon your son. I will pour my blessing upon your so you go before God, this is your promise. I declare and I pray that you, your spirit is upon my children. Your blessing is on my offspring. That's how you're going to pray for your children. Uh, Isaiah 54 verse 13. All your children will be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your... So you pray. This is the promise of God. My children will be taught by the Lord. They will have great peace. And Isaiah 59, 21, as for me, says the Lord, my, this is my covenant. My spirit that is upon you, my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants. And your descendants, descendants, descendants. So this is God's promise. The word and the spirit that is upon you will pass on to your children and to your children's children. So you pray that. 
Parents, are you all awake? Even if your children are asleep, you better be awake. <laughs> this is something you have to engage in for your children. Pray. Believe God. Amen. Because listen, the world out there is not easy. It's hostile. And we as parents must engage in prayer for our children. And if you're a young person, maybe things are not going well in your home. Maybe mom and dad are always fighting and you know, all of that's happening. Listen, I want to tell you, you can pray for your home. You take those same scriptures and you pray for mom and dad. You pray for your family. You say, God, your word says my house will stand. Your word says that my house will be blessed. You stand in the gap for your family, even as a young person, and see what God will do. You can take these same scriptures and pray. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about the family, the church, and the kingdom. I want to talk about, about that and then we close. It's not going to be too long. Already 1225. The family, the church, and the kingdom. A very important part about family is to nurture your family in such a way that they understand the importance of being part of the local church and the purpose of the kingdom of God. Very important. So I want to talk a bit about that, just practical things and we will close. So first of all, I want to encourage all of us, especially parents, establish the practice of being in church every Sunday. That must come from you parents. You know, it's not like every week, you know, pastor is calling, are you coming to church today or not? <laughs> How much can we do? <laughs> you as a parent must establish that. We are going to church. We are going every Sunday. Now, I understand some Sundays you may be traveling and all of those things. That, that, those are the exceptions. But the norm is as a family, you come together to worship God in the house of God. You establish that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25 says, Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Don't stop that. And that in the early church, you find that as, as the early church began to take shape, they, may, they made it a practice to meet on the first day of the week, that Sunday. They made it a practice to meet there. Now, in some countries, it may be a Friday, that's okay. But they made it a practice to meet together for worship, uh, for worshiping God, for fellowship and hearing the word and so on. And so, as parents, you do that. Because if your kids see that, you know, you come to church just twice a year on Easter and Christmas, you know, what do you think they're going to do? Most likely they'll do the same thing. And then you can't tell them, why aren't you going to church every Sunday? So you never did that. <laughs> so we as parents and we as parents need to establish that practice. And then take it a step further because going to church is not just about attending Sunday service but really the church is a spiritual family that you're part of you have your personal family but you also belong to the spiritual family the family of God and so you need to inculcate and develop that understanding that we are we actually belong to the family of First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But if I delay, this letter will let you know how we should conduct ourselves in God's household. So the local church is God's 
household. God's family. Which means that being part of the church is not just attending Sunday morning service. It goes beyond that. We are part of a family. This is a family. That means we have relationships. We got to get to know a few people and, and have friendships. And, and we need to serve or take care of one another. If somebody is in need, take care of them, help them. And so inculcates that understanding that the church is not something you attend just on Sunday morning, but the church is being part of the family of God. That's what church is. It's beyond the Sunday morning service. Sunday morning service is important, but it's beyond that. And thirdly, develop, inculcate the practice of serving in church. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Use your gifts to serve one another. So you say, okay, now let's see how we can serve in the church. How can, what can we do? You know, not everybody can sing, not everybody can play instruments, but there are a lot of other things you can do. You can help out in ushering, you can help out here, there. You know, if you want, if you're free during the week, you come to the church office, you can help out there. So many things. But how can we serve the local church, the body of believers? How do we do that? You encourage your children and you yourself begin to do that. They will see the importance of it. I know sometimes it can be a little difficult, you know, uh, as a family, uh, you know, Sunday mornings is like real fun because, you know, I may be going to south, Amy may be going to west, and uh, Josh may need to come here to central. So, seven o'clock, we're leaving home, we're all going different directions, you know, each one's going to a different place to serve, and then sometimes we all meet up in central, you know, Uh, because we're doing two different services. Uh, But... But, you know, the point is, it may be a little uncomfortable, but we are developing the thing of, you know, we are going to serve in some way in the church. We're going to serve God. It's a little difficult, but it's okay. We're serving God. We're doing something uh, for, the, for the house of God. Another very important thing that I would like to see happen here for, in our church, especially here, is, is that the older mentor the younger. You know, Paul writes to Titus, and he says in Titus chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, in the same way, instruct the older women to behave as women should, who live a holy life. They must not be slanderers or slaves to wine. Anybody? (laughs) They must teach what is good in order to train the younger women to love their husbands and children. So what is Titus? Paul is saying, Titus, Titus, you know, here's what you need to do in the church. Teach the older women to nurture the younger women in church. And teach them how to live right, how to do life right. And I'm sure that applies even to the older men that we engage with the younger men in, you know, and, and share our things on how to live life. So I want to see that happen here. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to start another older to younger mentoring program or ministry. No, that's not what we're going to do. It should happen spontaneously. Meaning, out of your own heart, find some people. Talk to them. Hey, let's spend some time together. Uh, let me share things. You know, just, just practically, just talk about things. Share things that happen. And, and, and you'll be able to, you know, nurture. Other, uh, the older can nurture the younger. Pass on what you've learned. So let's do that. 
Life groups are important. You're part of a small group. I encourage you to do that. Um, uh, in Acts chapter 4, in the book of Acts, we find Acts 2.46. They met in the temple, which is the big group, and they broke bread from house to house, the small groups. Or Acts 5.42, daily in the temple and in every house, they taught and preached Jesus Christ. So it happened in the temple, the big group, and in every house they met. And I encourage us to develop that as part of our culture. You know, that, that we learn to connect with people outside of the Sunday morning service. Get together, meet with people, uh, build relationships. In your home, just call them. It doesn't have to be called a life group. Just meet. Pray together. Just read the Bible, whatever. Just have that time together in the Lord. And I encourage you to do that. When you meet some people in church, say, hey, why don't you come home? We'll have a meal together. And uh, build those friendships. But that is a very important part of being, of belonging to the family of God. It's going to make us a little uncomfortable, but it's great, has great value. You're going to bless other people. Are you with me so far? So let's do that. Let's try, let's try to become like what the Bible talks about. And it doesn't have to be some sort of a formal ministry. No, just do it. Be spontaneous. Uh, get people together. You're meeting others, just invite them to your home, pray, worship. Share the word, read the word, watch a video. I mean, a Christian video. I mean, if you want to watch a movie, that's up to you. But generally, uh, have that time of friendship together and build those relationships. Be a blessing uh, to one another. Last two couple of points here. And missions. So not only do you nurture your family to be involved in the church, the ministry of the church, but also encourage, nurture your family to be involved in the missions. That means in the fulfilling of the Great Commission, in winning souls and making disciples. You can start that at home. Otherwise, you know, pastors have to sweat every Sunday. We have to make our church a mission. Listen, if you start doing it at home, it just becomes spontaneous. It just becomes so easy for the pastor. See, I'm trying to get you to do part of my work, you know. I was just joking. But create that culture, that understanding of missions at home. How can you do that? Just you be part of some of the things that are happening, whether it's in the city or across the nation. So, for instance, when we go out to schools or when we go out to the malls, when you come along, you bring your son, your daughter along, let them just see how we do this. Let them see how we share the gospel. Let them see how we sow the seeds of the gospel across the city. Let them see it. Let them just be a part of it. Or when we go out to other places, take them with you. I remember when Josh was, you know, till he was here, uh, he must have come with me maybe to what four or five mission trips. I took him with me. Now he did nothing, meaning uh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't preaching or doing anything, but just basically helping with things. He likes to take photographs, so you carry his camera, click everything, insects, birds, people. You know. I had to tell him, click people, you know, otherwise he likes to click nature, you know. No, on mission strip, click people, you know. Uh, just do whatever you want. But what's happening is he's being exposed to missions. What are we doing when we go there? How we are serving people who don't have as much as we have. How we share with them the word of God. How we pray for them. How we minister to them. So uh, now, it doesn't mean he's going to start doing something big right now, but you know, it's been planted in his heart. Maybe sometime 10 years later, 15 years later, uh, God will bring it back to him and say, you remember those days when you went to Rajasthan, you went to Ajmer, you went to Chandigarh, you went to, you know, 
Siliguri or wherever. You remember those places? Remember those people in need? Will you do something for them? God can use it at some point in his future. But as parents, we have to sow the seed. You have to open up their hearts. You have to expose them to these things. Let them see people who are less fortunate than us. Let them see people uh, who, who, who love the Lord but who don't have the kinds of resources we have. Let them see. Expose them to it. God will do the rest. Our part is to sow the seed. So I encourage you parents, send your children you know, on mission trips. And, um, uh, last two things here. Teach your children about generosity, kindness and tithing. Start that at home. And you can start in very simple ways. You know, for instance, at some point, we started giving our children allowance every month. Small amount. But when you give the allowance, we told them, 10% goes to church. So you do what you want with the rest. 10% goes to? So they learn. Okay, I've got some money, but 10% must go to? So you give them a small allowance, you tell them to do that. What are you doing? You're teaching them a biblical principle. You're teaching them something of the Bible that you need to give your 10% to God. And I remember, you know, when I was about 13 or 14, and I was part of the Methodist church in those days, and, and uh, we went to vacation Bible school uh, one summer, and they said, you know, you uh, do anything, you do some work, and you bring money and give it, and we're going to use it for missions. So I was thinking, what can I do? What can I do to earn money? And I said, you know, I can polish my dad's shoes. So, I was 13 years old. Every morning I had a deal with my dad. I said, dad, I will polish your shoes every morning and you pay me a little money. I don't know what it was, one rupee. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was a small amount of those days. Yeah. And I had a little log book. So the days I polished my dad's shoes in the morning, I'd write it down, end of the month, I'll get the money. And then... I will tithe. No, the tithe wasn't much. So I ended up giving the full amount. <laughs> you know, because it was hardly anything. But it was something I learned. Somebody told me as a young person that I can do something and I can learn to honor God. And from the age of 13, I've been tithing. From that small amount of money, whatever. So, you know, when, there were, when I was in moments of great need, I could go before God and say, God, I have been tithing faithfully. I'm expecting you to fulfill your word in my life. I have the courage to do that. Why? I have lived that life. And his promise is, you bring the tithes into my storehouse and I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out such a blessing on you. You won't have room enough to receive it. That's his promise. Amen? So, you can teach your children from a young age. You know, give God 10% and, and, and be faithful in it. Do what, you, uh, what God's word has said. And then you can stand before God in your moments of need and say, God, you have said in your word that if I honor you with my tithe, if I give that 10% to your kingdom, uh, and, and, and you will bless me. And teach them generosity. Teach them kindness. That means you find somebody in need. Give them something. Now that's beyond your tithe, that you bless somebody else or you've given to God's kingdom over and more than just your 10% and you bless people and let them see you do that. They will learn to do it. And lastly, we need to nurture our children with the kingdom mindset. That means that we put God's kingdom first. That whatever we do in life, we want to do it so that it will count for the kingdom of 
See, nurture that at home. Sure, as a pastor and we, as church, we can teach people about the kingdom of God and all that, but it is so much better when it is done at home. When parents nurture the children saying, look, you know, how is what you're going to do matter for God's kingdom? And sow that seed in their lives. Now, don't force them into it, but sow the seed. Just sow the seed. Just the thought. How, is this, how can you use it for God's kingdom? How about using your talent for God's kingdom? Now, how about using something for God's kingdom? What you have. How about using it for God? Serving God. How can it matter? Sow that seed. And then as they grow up, God will deal with them on, you know, on how exactly those things are going to work out. Amen? So parents, we need to nurture our families, pray for our families, nurture our families in a way that they are going to become an integral part of the local church and of the work of God's kingdom in our city, in our nation, and in the nations of this world. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray and close. I know we're over time here this morning, but thanks for bearing with me here. As we pray right now and get ready to close in a few minutes, would you just take a, just these few moments to respond to the word of God that you've heard? Maybe to pray as a family that you say, God, I want to do that. I want our time to be meaningful. Would you just commit before God, saying, God, I'm going to do this when I go from here. I'm going to be faithful, Lord, to make sure I get my family together and pray. Or maybe you need to be praying for your spouse and your children. Just pray before God. Say, God, I want to do this. Give me the grace to do it, to pray for my spouse. Or pray for my children as well. Maybe there's a family member who still needs to come to the Lord. And, 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 and you just... Strengthen your resolve before God, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your children, saying, God, I am going to pray until I see them come in. I'm not going to give up because you said you will contend with him who contends with me and you will save my children. And as parents, would you commit before God to do your best to nurture your children in a way that they will Make their life count for the local church and for the kingdom of God. Do your best. You can't force it, but you'd sow the seed. Would you commit yourself before God to do that? And Father, we just pray your blessing on every home, every family. Here, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to work in every home, in every family. Bring your righteousness, bring your peace, bring your joy into every home. Oh God, annul every work of the enemy. Let every scheme of the enemy against every home, every family become null and void. And in the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, Lord. In every home, in every family, in every marriage. Let your kingdom come, O God, we pray. Let your rule, let your dominion be established, Father. Let the purpose of God be established in every home, in every marriage, in every family. 
We declare the kingdom of God prevails in the lives of our people, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our family members. We declare his kingdom is established in us and through us for his glory. And we thank you for doing this, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. For your patience, I'm sorry we've gone over time. God bless you. Have a good Sunday, good week. And see you at church camp. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.